Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Has it been since we've been on the air? About two weeks, I think, we did our last fashion's uh, anniversary of his death, but is he really dead? Where we talked about a few things, gave some words of advice. I noticed uh, our friend Bella over there in Kenya is getting down with that episode. She, uh, I think I sent her a link or she checked it out. She's been circulating among the Kenyans over there. Much love, Habadi. So all my Kenyan people out there, Bella, what's going on? Hope you're doing well, doing smooth. People, it's been a long time. Hope all is going well. Things are cannot complain on this side when you wake up early in the morning and you can see the sun. God is good. Life is good. The ancestors are good. When you wake up and you can do what, you're, you, can do what you can do and you, you really have your dreams and like I always say, everything you do to make your dreams real is one step closer to making that dream real. Does that make sense to you? So, you know, I was checking out a young brother last night. Uh, I cannot remember his name, but he was from back home, left DRC at 3, went over to France. Can't remember the brother's name. I'll post it up. I'll check it out later on today. But it's not about him. It's not about, you know, what's going on with me. Well, actually, yeah, because, you know, my arm still hurting. And I know I got a lot of your emails, a lot of your texts on Facebook and stuff like that. And, people, I really appreciate your concern for my health. Yes, we have surgery coming up soon. Hopefully my mother doesn't hear this episode or my dad doesn't hear this because, you know, they'll come out here. My aunts with Pantene, but everything's well otherwise. Filming is going well. Once upon a time in the Congo, we have the, the young lady to play Geneva has been cast. We found the guy to play Hatari. He has been cast. He's actually ironically Rwandan. So it's very interesting how he came on board, which is very good. Speaks Kenya Rwandan, Swahili, Lingala, French. My French isn't that good. But that's going on well, people. Thank you for your patience. I know you guys keep asking when's it going to come out. It has to be done righteous. The story, once upon a time, the Congo is not about me. It's about the Congo, and we have to say the story correctly. We just can't throw it out there, and we have to be very careful because there's a lot of these uh, film images and media products coming out that's just dogging my country, showing what the problem is but not showing the whole problem. 
Because let me tell you something, people. What you hear about Congo when they talk about, oh, all this corruption. Mobutu was corrupt. But let me tell you, you didn't see what was going on in the East when Mobutu was the president. It's not about, oh, he loves Mobutu. Oh, he loves Lumumba. No, what I'm saying is that there's a line in Gladiator where Maximus is about to go to the arena. And he's walking up there. He's twirling his sword. He's really anxious. He's really upset and annoyed. And Proximo, who's in charge of all the gladiators, said, Maximus, what's the problem? Maximus says, Marcus Aurelius had a vision of Rome. This is not it. This is not it. This is what I'm telling all you people out there, especially all you folks that are riding with real Congolese who are about the culture and the real allies of the Congo who's about the culture. The way Congo is right now, that's not the image of Congo that Lumumba, Mulele, Mulopwe, all the people, Mukaya, Lalinga, all our elders, all the ones that were there at 1960, all our, all our relatives and elders that were there at the Conference du National in 90, 81, 82, 91, like that. This is not the DRC that they envisioned. This isn't the DRC that I remember growing up, and this isn't the DRC that many of our elders and people from my generation grew up. So let me tell you something straight up. Let's just get this out the way. Congo's going to be back the way it was, and it's going to be better than the way it was. That's all it comes down to. That's why so many people don't want us to be strong. They don't want us to be the China of Central Africa. <laughs> so now let's get down to some business here. People, we have tried to make this interview for so long. I'm like pounding my hands here for so long. She was filming this movie. She was filming that movie. She was doing this movie. And every time her agent was like, oh, she's busy. Oh, she's not available. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding we had to make this appointment. We had to make that appointment. She's the director of, people give it up, nappy heads. She's the director of, I love you. She's the director of, missing. She's the director of, letter to Abu. Hey, speak Abu's in our movie. Why don't that the Sierra Leone we've been talking about? We're going to talk to two people. Drum roll, please. Sabrina Moella, writer, independent filmmaker, living up there in T-Dot. Let me give you a little information about Sabrina here. T-Dot via France, by way of Congo. We're going to go right to her bio here online. Sabrina Moella is an independent writer and filmmaker based in Toronto, born in France from Congolese parents. Malukai to her parents out there in uh, France. I don't know how you say hello in Songhai. Songhai. I think her mom's Songhai, right? And her dad's Baluba. So, again, a Malukai to her parents over there in France. Bonjour. Como? That's about as deep as I want to go. She grew up in Paris and started writing as soon as she was old enough to hold a pen. Yeah, she's a writer. She was probably writing in the, room, in the womb. After an undergraduate in media studies and another one in African studies, she started working as a journalist and TV writer in Paris. She received her first screenwriting nod for the short film, quote, Letter to a, end quote, that was presented at the Cannes Film Festival as part of the 10 Shorts Against Racism film series. After earning her master's degree in marketing and communications from La Sabon University, and my dad went to Sabon, she decided to move to Canada to pursue a career in filmmaking. She should have came to L.A., but anyway. Her work focuses on studying and narrating the everyday life, traditions, and culture of the Afro-Caribbean diaspora. Her films have screened at many festivals across Canada and the U.S. and have aired in, on prestigious programs such as BTJ's Black Stories and the Badami syndicated series called African American Short Films. Sabrina has a passion for hair. She really does, people. Sabrina has a passion for hair, dance, and old still photography, three themes that are, are omnipresent in her films. When not busy shooting a new project or writing poetry, she could be seen rehearsing new Sukkot dance steps in her living room 
or braiding her girlfriend's hair down in downtown Toronto, or T-Dot for those that are in those. She is currently writing her first feature-length screenplay, temporary entitled Little Things. Let's see if we can get her on the phone here because, you know, sometimes you got to call these people, and this is what's going to happen, people, I bet you. We're going to call her. Phone's going to ring, and I bet you her agent's going to ask the phone and say, well, she can't come to the phone right now, so she's busy. So let's see if we can get her on the line here. Let's see, let's see, let's see here. And we got about 90, yeah, we have about 90 text messages coming in for her already. My God. Let's see here if we can get on the phone. Bear with me, people. Wish I had the elevator music, so we don't have that kind of stuff in the budget here, you know, in a recession. Let's see if we can get on the phone here. Hello? Well, good morning, Miss Sabrina. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. That's good. That's good. We have you live on air, so about 20,000 people are listening to you listening to you right now. Oh, my God, 20,000 people? Ooh, I'm feeling shy all of a sudden. Yes. <laughs> I thought it would be like so an intimate conversation. <laughs> I know, I know, but the problem is that with so many people, you know, I wanted the conversation to be between you and I. Intimate, private, okay. we can talk about what we talk about. But the problem is that so many people want to hear your conversation. They want to know about your poem. They want to know so much about you. I felt that I had to acquiesce to their wishes and let them come on board. So please forgive me. Okay. For <laughs> That's okay. So what's going That's on, okay. my friend? What's going on? What's going um, on? How are you? What's going on up there? I, I, I'm really, I'm really good. I'm in Toronto right now, so it's summertime, summertime in the T-Dot, so everything is really, really good, doing well. I'm working on new projects, my poetry, my new fields, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I'm really okay right now. All right, all right. So I can hear the energy in your voice like I spoke to you last time. You have all that creative juices flowing. So we have to ask, a lot of people want to know, we're going to come to that poem you know what, what poem I'm talking about in a second, but how did you get into how did you get into film, into media? What was what was the origin of this this whole desire to do filmmaking and things like that? Oh my God, it's been it's been all my life basically. Um, I was born in France, grew up in France, even though I'm from Congo, and I think from yeah from an early age I can't even remember how it got started, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I remember when I was a child I was very quiet, very shy, and. Uh, Back back in the day in France, like in the little city where I grew up, there were there were no, not really any people of color. So I was always like the, the only black person in my classroom and stuff. So I didn't have a lot of friends. There were a lot of racism. So I started creating my own uh, my own world, my own reality, and that's how I got into writing and creating because I was always um, playing by myself having imaginary friends and stuff like that. So mm-hmm, <laughs> that's, how got, mm-hmm. that's how you got started. And, uh, and and my parents are great storytellers. My parents, my uncles, even though I think they don't even realize it, they, they, they're really great mm-hmm. uh, storytellers and they entertained us a lot when I was uh, when I was a child. Like my, my house was always full of uncles visiting, aunties, cousins, stuff like this and that. And my... Uh, yeah, my uncle, if you put all of them in a room, you give them one beer or, or two, and uh, they're all dead. <laughs> they have crazy stories. Like, uh, every time I hear, like, those Hollywood people saying, well, we don't have, 
many more stories to tell. It's always the same stories, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, she'll just put my uncles in a room and you'll have like plenty of stories. So I guess that's it. Part of it was my own my own reality when I was a child, like playing by myself. But And, and a big part of it is just uh, my family heritage, like great storytellers. I know my grandma was a, a good storyteller too. Um, yeah. So that's how it all got started, and then I started writing. Started writing poetry when I was uh, when I was a child, and my teachers was like, "Oh, she's really good," and they told to my parents, and they were like, "Oh, you should encourage her because um, we think that she has something." And then I started doing some contests and stuff, like writing even more, and then I started working for some newspapers when I was a, a teenager, and then uh, yeah, from from that it all it all started. Writing, writing, mm. and I, I, I never mm. turned back. Never turned back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Who was your inspiration? Like when you decided to do film, was there a filmmaker, director, or we already have you were writing? I think you were writing in the womb since you know before you were even born. Was there a director yeah. you looked at and said, you know, that person's image, vis- you know, is uh, the kind of visuals I like? Was it a director or directors or producers, whatever that influenced you when you were growing up? In terms of film? Oh yeah, so many, so many. There's too many of them. <laughs> too many of them. Like, <laughs> I think I think because I, I grew up in France, I really have this French influence. Like all the new wave stuff. I like sometimes I don't like to say that because I feel like all filmmakers, every filmmaker is like, oh yeah, I've been influenced by the French new wave. Right. But uh, right. like, if when you look at my film, it's like I was trying to avoid <laughs> taking this road, but. When I look honestly at my film, I can see that uh, no, there's nothing I can do. Like I really, the the aesthetic of the French New Wave. So I was really influenced by um, François Truffaut, of course, Julian Jeans, and Quatre mm. Francs Fou, or oh, Four Hundred Blows, I guess in English. Um, Renoir, mm. I love Renoir. That was before the French New Wave, but the rules of the game and and all this aesthetic. That was really what I was looking at when I was a child. Yeah, that's that's really. But I I I love I love all these old school. Uh, kind of movie, so I guess yeah, the French New Wave. Um, Charlie Chaplin is my one of my favorite filmmakers. So wow, again, I, the, the, that aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, I used to really watch and rewatch uh, all his film when I was uh, when I was a child. So that's why I really like um, silent movies, and I really like um, old black and white movies because I used to love and I still love to watch Charlie Charlie Chaplin's movies and uh, and I have to give it up mm-hmm. for Spike Lee as well. Spike Lee was Spike, a major, Spike. major influence when I was a teenager. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh yeah, when Why you do the right thing came out. Oh my god. Uh-huh. I, I guess because when I when I grew up like like I say, the like no it has changed in France, but back then like Maybe we were like the only black family in my small city, and then it changed, and then we mm-hmm. like we moved neighborhoods, and we were like in a in a little suburb or ghetto, French ghetto as they as they call it, and, uh, and <laughs> I, I guess I was just, yeah, that's true. And we had like a sorry Spike, but we had like a, a vintage, not vintage, but somebody got a tape from a tape from a cousin, from a cousin of a cousin who's been to the States and brought the, <laughs> this old VHS back and so we were all watching VHS. it like, yeah, yeah, that was VHS of Do the Right Thing in the 1990 mm-hmm. something and then I was like, oh my god yeah, that was really um, a revelation for me because I used to watch all these films with only where on, um, all the main characters were always white and in my writing mm-hmm. and in my screenwriting, like my characters were always white. Like for me, it was like I don't know. I don't know. I was 
considering this. For me, it was not was not possible to have like an, all the main characters being black. And when I watched uh, Do the Right Thing, and I was like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 or 12 back in the days, and I was like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. possible. You can just like put some black people on the screen and, and, and tell stories. So I guess it really changed my mm-hmm. uh, my point of view or the, the, the way I was writing because it's, yeah, I, I just love that film. It's still, yeah, it still gives me the thrill every time I see him because I remember that, that first day when I was like, oh my God, black people can be the main characters. I would have never <laughs> guessed that. But uh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's real. When you when you when you grew up in an environment where you don't you don't see yourself on the screen, you don't see yourself being represented, and all of a sudden you you see something different. Yeah, for me it was like a major cultural shock, frankly. Ah, oh, that's wow. Yeah. Now, question for you: You have the passion. We can definitely hear about Spike. We can definitely we can definitely hear that. We can hear the love for Chaplin. Uh, we hear the love for New Wave. And the one thing you had said um, is you remember stories, stories being told in the house, being, you know, growing up, the tauntauns, pantines, they all came by. Now, yeah. have you figured out or are you still working on a way or have you already combined the deep love you have for the culture, stories in the house, with your love for film that you studied growing up? Uh, I feel it's, it's still a work in progress. I really, I really, 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 really want to do that. Um, I don't think I've done that yet in my films, even though I have many projects about it. I feel like more in my poetry, maybe. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the, like I have a Oh, poem yeah, we'll get to that. Grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a poem that's a little <laughs> telling my stories called Bina Moela, and I have another one about my grandma called Grandma, where... Right, I started doing that, like mixing stories that uh, that that I heard when I was a child, and um, mm-hmm. and mixing English and French and Tuluba, which is the language of my parents. Mm. Um, mm. Sometimes I'm Swahili and Lingala. Yeah, I, I really like mm-hmm. that, like using these these stories or the this heritage heritage and putting that in my poetry. And I hope that I'll be able to to do that in film soon. I remember that I. At some point, I was fascinated because I, I was looking in a book or on the internet. I don't remember, and I and I read all those stories about the the tattoos on the bellies that uh, some tribes mm-hmm. in Africa do. Well, scarification, mm-hmm. you can call it scarification or tattoos. And I, then I become really obsessed about it. And I ask my parents, "Oh, but what's that? Like, do we have this?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, all your grandmas and great grand great grandmas and stuff." It's just that it's something that people don't do anymore because after the colonization, it was seen as something really. Uh, Really bad and and I don't know associated with um, yeah bad things anyway. So then I I started developing this this obsession and and I, I was doing a project about Congo last year for the the, the 50 years year of independence and I came up with these mm-hmm. pictures where where I had like fake fake tattoos on my bellies and we took a lot of pictures with one of my a friend here in Toronto is a photograph, and then everybody was telling me, "Oh my God, where where did you get that concept? And uh, what what does it mean? And the things on your belly and, and, and stuff." <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, it's just mm-hmm. uh, I didn't create anything or invent anything. I just I just uh, took some stuff that uh, I've done some research about, and then I asked my parents, and uh, and that's how I came up with this this thing about my uh, in, in my poem about my grandma and, and it's like oh my grandma has no wrinkles on her magic skin tattoos on her belly she's a Luba queen and and so that's why mm. in my all, all my poetry I always have some, something about the the tattoos on the belly yeah that's my obsession yeah. from the moment 
<laughs> yeah. I want to hear that poem. So, can you use that? Can you? Can you? Can you uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, sorry, that poem. Oh yeah, yeah. sure. Um, tattoos on her belly. She's a Luba queen. She holds me in her arms late at night when I'm afraid. Lets me sit on her lap when I need a place to rest my head. She tells stories from the past, from when she was my age, from when children were dancing and gathering in our village. She uses words like Zulu, Kwanisha, Mwabilai to remind me that we're from the province of Kasai. She teaches me ancient songs, ancient games, ancient names. Her eyes are wise and strong, and she has healing hands. Mother, healer, storyteller. When I grow old, I want to be just like her. She's like a library, open ledgers for me, never tired of teaching new words to me. Then when the evening comes and it's time to go to sleep, she waits patiently for me to go hide under my sheets and to close my eyes, and then she starts singing. Shakena wo, shakena ni, dimuku suwa, dimuku nanga. Then she blows me a kiss and goes back to her sleep with a smile on her face while she rests in peace. Mm. That's Man. it. Woo! Yeah. You, so you that's how back, I come with all these concepts. Back to Mbujimaya. Yeah, that's where my, my, my family is from. Mbujimaya <laughs> used to be Bakwanga wow. and... Uh, and my parents have all mm-hmm. these super stories about Mbujimai and how they they had they had this game when they they were all children that's called the Chibemba. Well, I guess it's called the Chibemba mm-hmm. in Mbujimai, but I'm I'm sure like all the children of the world have played this game where you it's the end of the day and you all gather together and you tell stories and 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 the, the grandmother come and tell stories and and that's how that's how we learn, right? They have all these proverbs and. And that, that's how we, we get our education through these proverbs and this storytelling. Part of it is game, but behind the game, there's always uh, a double meaning. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. where I, mm-hmm. I got What's all the, these stories. Like we can, and the one thing about you, when you were saying the poem and how you switched up there, uh, you, yeah. the one thing a true artist, the passion just comes through, and you can just—you went deep on that one. You went back to Kasai on that poem. I was looking around, so I was back in Kananga, like, and I was like, "Oh my God, what's your grandmom's name? What's, what was her name?" Uh, my grandma's name is uh, Konku, Mamu Konku, and uh, and that's my uh-huh. name too. My first name is Kanku, so that's uh-huh. what the the poem is about when she sings the the Shakena. Shakena is like a concept, well, uh-huh. not a concept, but. Uh, in Chuluba, uh-huh. when you, when you're someone Shakena, it means homonym, so that means you've been named mm-hmm. after someone, and I've been named after mm-hmm. my grandma uh, from the paternal side, and her name is uh, Mamukonku. So that's what the song is about when she she sings Shakena, oh Shakena, that means um, my homonym, my little homonym, my, my little child. I really love you. I really love you, and um, yeah, that that's what the song is about. Ah, uh, and your granddad's name? Your granddad's name? Oh my God! You want me to go? Ah, my uh, my granddad's we, name. He's, uh, I don't want to get a text message from Kasai and say, "What about the grandfather?" <laughs> no, no, no. That, that that's true, and 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 that's what I did in my in my poem Dina Muela because we have like it's a poem like dedicated to my family. So at the end of it, I I'm I'm like. Uh, um, singing the ancestors, like we say in the village, so giving the name of all my, all of my um, ancestors, and I say, well, they have to to rest in peace because, uh, especially my dad was really um, when he grew up, he was always 
listening to all these stories because my my great great granddad was like um, a chief in Bujimai, like the the um, traditional chief when it was still called Bakwanga. So there that's that's all the storytelling about my family. Like even when you listen to the the, the African song, the song from Chalamwana uh, uh, or the the Bayuda um, of the Congo and all mm-hmm. of that, they always um, they always have like a verse about Mwela um, Yombo, which who is my great 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 or great 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 granddad. Wow. I'm not sure. So they're always singing. I do. Something like that. So. Uh, so I remember every time those, those songs came out, or when uh, at home we were listening to songs by, from Chalamwana, um, um, and my parents were always like, mm-hmm. oh, listen, listen, they, 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 she sings about your great-great-granddad, and his name was Mwela Yombwe, and he was uh, the chief from Bakwanga, that's why she's singing him. And I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And you know when you're a child, you just... Don't pay attention. You don't care. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't right. care. I was like, yeah, sure. Well, it's a thing from back home. Uh, I'm a French girl and this and that. But then when you, you become an adult, and I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. That's that's interesting. And I start doing all these research, and I'm like, well, it's 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 important to know to know your roots, then so that you can decide where you where you're going. So, mm-hmm. so yes, that's mm-hmm. why there's, there's there's this whole tradition of. Um, singing and of uh, uh, paying tribute to the ancestors in my family. Yeah, uh, like in my poem, Dinamuela, I have this, this verse where I'm like, um, oh, I don't know how long I'm going to stay in this game, but if you know me, you know, I have to finish with a bang. Then when everything is done and it's time to write the end, gather my girls, my sons, my family, my friends, and bring my ashes back to my heart on Bakwanga. But those who have loved me for a while call me Bina Mwela. Let me to rest next to my auntie Muika, next to my uncle Kase, my great grandma Daya, Mamukon, Kutia, Ntumba, Bamanya, Kalala, Mushia, Kasanji, Kramba, next to my great granddad Mudingai, Kashama, and my great great granddad Yombo, Wamwela. Let me to rest next to all my Bankwamba, because they loved me for a while. So there's this old uh, tradition about singing your ancestors and your family and paying tribute to those who. Um, were there before you, and in right. a way they're, they're going to be there after you. So yeah, that's really something yeah. that my parents uh, insisted on when I when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. What's your parents' name? What's your parents? Oh, oh my God, we have so many names. Like you can ask that in African. Uh, you know they you know they're listening right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're listening. So I have to tell my name. Like shout out to my. My beautiful dad, uh, his name is uh, Florian uh, Muela, uh, Chibadi, uh, Nkashama. Um, yeah, he has too many names. Let's say Nkashama Muela. Uh, my mom, um, Chantal Muela, uh, our name, uh, Congolese name is um, Mulongi, Mulongi Mfamba. Um, shout out to my grandma. Uh, Keima Onokonga, listening from Kinshasa, DRC. Kinwa. Um, yeah. That's right. Throw it up, throw it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're out on the street. Shout out to my grandma, <laughs> Keima. So, yeah, we have a huge family. Huge family. And all these no, stories, like you were talking. Yeah, yeah. So, Dad, I love you. <laughs> so, you were talking to you were asking me about putting these stories in, into films. And that's true that when I, when I, one day I was, I was 
speaking to my mom on the phone and she was talking about the, the 70s, that that's really um, a part of the history of Congo that I'm really interested in, the, the 70s in Kinshasa. It was just crazy. Like the fashion, mm-hmm. the people, everything that was going on. And my mom was there in the 70s when, uh, when uh, Mohammed Ali came uh, for that, that right. uh, uh, rumble in the jungle thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she she was a teenager back then, and and she was telling me all these stories about how everybody was super excited and people wanted to go, and my uncle got some tickets, and my, some my some of my aunties wanted to go, but they couldn't because they were not allowed to because they were not 18. So I was like, oh, that would be <laughs> such a great movie, such a great uh, at least short film about this coming. Uh, I was thinking about this a coming of age story. Uh, with everything that right. my mom was talking to me about, the excitement of knowing that, oh, Mohammed Ali is in town and who's going to go and who has a ticket and, and can, can we just uh, escape the parents and try to <laughs> try to run away and go just for the, <laughs> just to see Mohammed Ali. And, and, he, and he stayed for a couple of yeah. months in Kinshasa. So he had all these stories yeah. and my uncle had all these stories too. So I'm sure it will be like a great movie and something different about Africa because when you see... Um, movies about Congo or about Africa, you you can you only you always see like the wars and people being poor and and and, and in need and and this and this and that. But it, it it's just one side, one side of the story. But that's not that's not what I grew up with. That's not what my parents told me and 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 all the stories I... that they have like need to be told. And something like this, like when you when when you see documentaries about. Uh, Rumbling the jungle and all of that. You only see the side from like the the American side or the side from Mohammed Ali's team or mm. all of that. But what about the people who were there in Kinshasa? What about that, their excitement, right. their stories, their wanting to be there? Like that's something that, well, at least I've never seen it. Or if it exists, I I don't know. I've never seen it. But that's something that needs to be done. And it's a universal story. Like I think everybody can relate. Everybody has been a teenager right. and wanting. Wanting to go see, I don't know, Michael Jackson or no Lady Gaga or something. So it's the same kind mm-hmm. of thing. Being a teenager and you want to go, and your parents are like, no, 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 you're too young, and uh, and yeah, you want to have like the the yeah. latest fashion and stuff. So yeah, that's really something that 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 is of interest to me. Like Kinshasa in the 70s. Uh, yeah, just when I watch the, the videos of the the Zyko Longa Longa and and the old dances and stuff. It, it, it's just beautiful there. There's story to be told there. Well, you write that story, mm-hmm. I'll produce it. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's number one all on right, the list. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Like one one and we have like one A and one B. Let's do it like this. Let's once you dedicate this we have to do our first commercial break here. You know, I pushed a couple to the side because today's show is okay. about you. So we have to do a quick commercial break here. Why why do uh dead is uh this next this uh next this song we're about to play will give a shout out to the parents back in the old country, back in France. We'll give a shout yeah. out to the family. So we'll dedicate this to your to your parents, all right? So why don't you give them a shout out in French or whatever language you want and then I'll play it for you. Okay, in French, cette chanson est dédicacée à mes parents. Papa Florian, Maman Chantal, je sais que vous m'écoutez en ce moment, donc c'est pour ça que je parle français. This song is for you. Oh my goodness. Okay. You might have to come down here work the control. Here we go. (laughs) 
Exactly. I, I wrote this poem, so I, how can I bring it without, without being rude? Um, <laughs> you know, well, we all know that there's, 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 there's a play that, uh, that has been highly um, successful, this play by uh, Lynn Nottage called Rooms, about the, the situation in Congo. And, uh, and uh, oh, I, I really love and respect Lynn Nottage, don't get me wrong, um, intimate apparel and um, everything that she did, she did before. Like, I, I've been to see those plays and I, and I really like them. And then when, when Wounds um, came out, um, a lot of my friends, a lot of people were telling me, oh, there's this play about Congo, you have to go and see it, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I was hearing all the, all the buzz about it. And I was like, ah. Oh. I'm not sure, but I need to see for myself before uh, making any critics or seeing any, yeah, saying anything. So because usually when I, it's it's sad to say, but a lot of time when there's things about Africa or about Congo, but that that are being written or directed or made by Westerners, it's it's always it's kind of a different point of view. It's always a little disappointing for me for myself at least um, to see how. Mm-hmm how the same stereotypes uh, always prevail. So I went to see the play. I, I really didn't really didn't like it, like no offense to, to Lynn Nottage, but uh, um, I didn't even recognize the Congo. Like I, I know she, she did her best, she tried her best, but um, like the, the music, the people, even the names, uh, the languages and everything, like it's not, it's not the way we African tell stories and, and like um, I, I really appreciate the fact that she um, she wanted to talk about the the, the situation in, in Eastern Congo, like the the, the rape of the woman. Um, mm-hmm. But the way she did it for me was like was not good at all, and 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 I didn't see like it was it was such a depressing play. And as African, we're like we're not we're not depressed, we're not, we're not depressing people, especially Congolese. Like I yeah, I really didn't recognize myself, and I. Like yes, I know that there's, there's war in Congo and there's women being raped, and it's important to uh, to to highlight that. But uh, yeah, that was it was depressing. It was not like I, I felt like the it was not in in depth about what we uh, Congolese women are and how we we survive because we we are survivors. We are not women. We are mm-hmm. survivors. Mm-hmm. That's what we are, and that was totally lacking, you know in her play, the way she, she told us the, the stories. Like like if you talk to, to my mom, my aunties, my, my grandmas, like they they've been in camps, they like, like they've seen wars, they've seen colonization and the way they, they tell it, their stories has nothing to do with what I saw in wounds. Uh that's why we say we're mm-hmm. survivors. And even from my own experience, like I I, I was not uh, raped in Eastern Congo and all of that, but like I'm I'm an um abuse survivor, like a sexual abuse mm-hmm. survivor. And I've, I'm kind mm-hmm. of open about it. It's like if you if you read all my poems, like I talk about it sometimes, mm-hmm. and and so that's why I know that the the psychological psychological part is what is even um, that's why it's hard to recover from. Like so, if you right. like if I as an abuse survivor, if I'm telling myself every day, oh I'm ruined, I'm ruined, I'm ruined. What can I do? I'm ruined. Blah blah. blah. Um, mm-hmm. Like I can just kill myself right now, right? Because mm-hmm. there's all this shame and guilt and, and a lot of things that is associated with rape or having been raped. And so for me, it was really mm-hmm. sad to see that uh, a woman that I admire and I like her, her other work, the way she um, 
decided to talk about um, sexual abuse and 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 everything that is really um, associated with it was so negative and where's the resilience and where is the hope and where is you know it's really these women are have been raped so they're ruined and, and that's the end of the world and that's it that's that's what i took from that play and um mm-hmm. and that's what i was totally uh, disagreeing with um yeah and, and i was like no 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 that's it's not what it is about oh i'm sorry don't um, worry about it yeah yeah, sorry, it's, Don't worry about it's, my, it's, it's my mom calling me. My mom is like, what are you talking about on the radio? <laughs> oh, my yeah, I goodness. That too. I was like, I, was like I, I can hear him already. Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's my mom. I remember someone was asking me, oh, are you going to, my mom does not live in, in Canada, she lives in France, but uh, sometimes she comes in and visit me in Congo. And I had a friend who's like, oh, are you, if your parents come, are you are you going to, um, take your parents to see the play, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Especially not that I've seen it. Like, even my parents would be like, what, what, what is that? Was it about Congo? That's, that's not the Congo we grew up in. Like, mm. no. Like, where was that? Mm. Like, the, 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 the people and then the stories. I'm like, no. So that's, that's, yeah, I was really pissed after that play. I was like, no, that's, that's not what Africa is about. It was like a lot of cliche and stereotypes about those, soldiers raping women like you have the feeling that they, those rapes are happening for no reason like just because people want to be like like mean to one another like there was no well it was lacking of the political historical socio-economical uh, context and all of that i know that the situation in congo is very complex so that's why it's hard to talk about it because you have to you have to look at all the historical aspects and and everything that is going on. Like it's not even a war only happening in Congo. Like I don't know how many African countries are involved. Maybe seven or eight plus uh, the mm. United Nations plus North America. Plus, there's just too many things involved. So I I can understand that she wanted to just um, simplify simplify um, things and just talking about these women and giving them a voice. But the voice that she gave them. It's not African. Like, if you look at the, the, the dialogue and even when those women have monologue, like, that's not the way we talk. That's not the way we talk at mm. all. It's a very mm. um, American, Americanized or Westernized concept way of talking that it's not the way um, a Congolese woman or even a woman from the diaspora like me uh, will talk or will tell the story. So that's how I decided to, to write this poem. And at first I was like, well... I'm not going to say anything. I'm not, you know, I know that sometimes I can have a big, big mouth. So I'm like, I'm going to keep my big mouth shut because everybody was like, oh, it's a four-star play and you got the Pulitzer and Oprah Winfrey wants to um, make a movie about it and play Mama Nadi or whatever the name of the this main character is and, and things like that. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, stay quiet. And one of my girlfriends who took me to that play and she really liked it. And when we had this great conversation, she was like, but I don't understand why you don't like it. And I, I, I tried to, to make my point. And she said, well, you can uh, you can write something. And I, and I said, well, why would I write? Like, really noted, like, who am I? And they're like, yeah, you can write something. You're Sabrina Moella. And if you disagree, you know, tell tell your point of view and get it off your chest. So that, that's how it started. And that's how um, I started this poem, We Are Not Ruined. And I... Um, I performed it at a, at an event in Toronto, and and I, I got some good feedback from people. So I was I was surprised. I'm like, okay, 
and and then I, yeah. I, I posted online and, and I had all these uh, people reaching out to me and saying, oh, that's wonderful, and you're not alone, and we are thinking that too, and blah, blah. And, and that's what the, the, yeah, that's really what this poem is about. I, I, I try to explain why, why we are not ruined and why we are resilient people and why we are survivors of dictatorship, of uh, imperialism, of coloni colonialism, of genocide, and and how we manage to make a living and how how we we still are positive people and we still like to share stories and and we still um, are the ones who want to um, make our government accountable for what is uh, happening right now in the Congo and not only our governments but the governments of uh, United States of America of Canada of all these countries who are um, using abusing and exploiting basically the Congo who have been exploiting the Congo for the past um, 200 years um, because a lot of people are profiting from this war like they don't want it to end because that's money it's a war about money so mm -hmm. so yeah that and the problem is that uh, the, the, re the main reason why these women are abused and raped every day is because um, they're trying to uh, to to kill the, the people's spirit basically like mm -hmm. once a woman has been raped and if she if the resilience or the hope is not there then like you destroy a woman, you destroy the family, you destroy the family, you destroy the city, you destroy the nation, and then you can just uh, keep on exploiting the the minds and and everything that's going on. And so that's why in my poem I, I was like, you know, they can destroy our bodies, but they won't destroy our spirits because mm. the spirit is still there and we are not ruined. Mm. So that was the poem mm. was all about, okay. basically. Mm. Can we hear some of that now? Can we hear some of that now? Can yes, you blow sure. to the audience out there? Oh yeah, I can. I can right now. Uh again you're gonna yeah, I can I can explain some of the references after that. Um but I can I can give some yeah. of them some some of it now. So it's called We Are Not Ruined. Um it's about you, go ahead. Are, yeah. We are not ruined. We are the ones who wear conrows on our heads and draw tattoos on our rooms to show the world our precious uniqueness. We are not ruined. We are the ones who tie wrappers around our hips to go out. Two for the married women, one for the single ones. We are not ruined. We are the ones who eat white clay when we're expecting to give strength to our baby while they're growing inside our wombs. We are the ones who gather together in the evening to share stories and laughter and to ask one another, Citoyenne, tokosekana bisonini, We are not ruined. We are the ones who wake up every morning to go sell dumplings and cassava at the market to provide for our families. We are the ones who manage to make a living despite the power cuts, the unpaid salaries, and the unmaintained roads. We are the ones who are tired of our corrupted governments who steal the country's money while our own children are starving. We are not wounds. We are the survivors of colonialism, imperialism, dictatorship, and genocide. We are the ones who know that when foreigners come and take our diamonds, our copper, our cobalt, our cotton, and give us a rights back in exchange, this is not fair trade. We are not ruined. We are the ones who reclaim justice for the 5 million dead in the Democratic Republic of Congo since 1998. We are the women whose mothers and daughters and granddaughters are abused and raped every day by soldiers who use guns and machetes to make sure that our bodies will never give birth again. But we are not ruined. We are the ones still standing on our feet, shaking in tears, but still standing. 
because they might destroy our bodies, but they won't destroy our spirits. And though they want us to keep crying, they're the ones who keep on praying and singing. Like, We are not ruined. We are the women of Bukavu, Goma, Uvira, Beni, walking together in our streets to reclaim our dignity. And as long as we'll be breathing, we'll have the strength to keep on telling. To the soldiers who think that they can kill us, we are not ruined. To the Westerners who think that they can manipulate us, we are not ruined. To the governments who think that they can despise us, we are not ruined. We are not ruined. We are not ruined. And this is it. Man. Lord. Speak on it, sister. Speak as they say in the church. And the church says, Amen. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, this is it. This is it. And again, yeah, I guess I put um, all of my heart in it and all of the like the hurt that I was feeling after this play. Where I was like, this is not what a Cong- what Congolese women are about. We are survivor. Uh, we are resilient. And for me, like having to listen to all that play and at the end, like the main character saying, "I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I'm ruined." I'm like, no. As a rape survivor, like I couldn't take it. As a as a woman, I couldn't mm. take it. As a Congolese woman, I couldn't mm. take it. I'm like, no, no. Mm. Like we are mm. survivors. Mm. And I, 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 you know. I put the yeah the tattoos on it because I, I really like those scarification on our belly. That's really for me something that uh, that's a symbol of 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 womanhood and all these little mm-hmm. details about. Uh, tying wrappers around the hips and things like that that for me were lacking from the play and for me like I was asking questions to my mom and sometimes she's like oh yeah like if, if you're married you put two if you're single you put one um, the white clay I remember being a teenager and, and we used to love eating white clay with my with my cousin so we were not allowed to do it mm-hmm. but because all of our <laughs> were eating the clay and and yeah. yeah, we just took that habit, and it just when I was an adult, I asked my mom, but why, 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 why do you eat clay when you're when you're pregnant? And she's like, well, it's a tradition. I'm like, no, 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 there must be something. And she's like, yeah, because mm-hmm. give strength to the babies. And and I was reading something about, uh, I guess, in the south, maybe South Carolina, or I don't, I don't think in the south of the United States, and some black women do the same thing. You know the 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 eating the clay or eating things that seem kind of real for uh, mm-hmm. pregnant women. So I did some mm-hmm. research, and I, I guess it's just something that uh, um, th- that was left from the the middle passage that women still know that okay we're expecting, so they try to eat like clay and things like that. It's really a traditional thing, and and that's another aspect that I'm really interested in um, studying or researching. Uh, when I do my scenes or my poetry, I, I like to look at the, the diaspora, the African diaspora, and look at what what is still there. And the the, the, the eating of the clay is something that, yeah, is still there, and it's, it's fascinating. So, yeah, little, little, like, this. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the, I have the, the hint to um, Zap Mama, which is, who is one of my favorite artists, like, when I say, that was in a, one of her first albums. But she has this, uh, uh, this little quote uh, that Mama and, and, and the other women that were in the band back then um, doing this introduction with her. 
and uh, yeah, she's an artist that I, I really like. Like whatever whatever she's doing with her music, like mixing um, her Congolese origin with her Belgium origin and with her uh, European background, and putting all of that in her music, and then being uh, respected all over all over the world for doing that. And I feel like if I can do the same thing in film that uh, my doll, that Mama is doing with her music, oh, I will be the happiest woman in the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's it. That's that that that's what this this poem was about. I tried to talk about like the um, the economic situation, about all these resources that are stolen every day from um, different foreigners or from the government who, who just want to you know steal the country's money, but. Like yeah, everybody knows. Oh, everybody keeps saying, "Oh my God, the, the the Congo is so rich. The Congo is so rich, but the inhabitants are so poor, and what's going on, and and all of that." And so yeah, you have to put things in in context, and that's what I'm trying to do. And um, and I know that when I was growing up, like my my dad was always giving giving us those history lessons, those teachers lessons that me and my brother we didn't like when we were young. But now that we're mm -hmm. adults, we realize how important it is to know to know our own stories because the way when I went to school, the way uh, we are talking about Africa is is really not a good thing. It's not uh, like I, I was glad that I, that I had my parents to counterbalance with their own stories, so that mm -hmm. I can know that we're we're not we're not only a poor country with like no uh, civilization or something. You know we. We go way back. We go way back, and mm. have a lot of tradition. That unfortunately we are, are are being lost right now. Like for me, it's sad that if I want to um, know my own uh, story or culture, I have to go to a museum to see my own um, mm -hmm. uh, cultures. Like if I want to see little bit cultures or things that like used to belong to my family, you know, I have to go to a museum. Or if I want to buy them, I have to pay I don't know ten thousand dollars. Or something mm -hmm. for statues. So it's it's kind of this is kind of depressing, but you know, it's all good. It's still there. It's all good, and huh? As, yeah, and as long as we we keep this uh, this attitude of being resilient and knowing where we stand, and we might we might be shaky or we might be uh, bruised, but you know we're still standing, and and that's important. Like if I have children tomorrow, I don't want to teach them about being ruined. Like, where, where is it going to lead them? If I teach them every day, you know, you're mm -hmm. poor, you're ruined, and you're this and you're that. No, that that's not what my real story is. So that that mm -hmm. that's what the poem was all about. And I think I'm not the only one thinking it because I had, yeah, so many feedback after after I did the performance or after um, I posted that on the website. And so yeah, it's great. It's great. So if Oprah mm, wants to talk mm, to me mm. about Congo, you can you can give her my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I see Oprah tomorrow, I say you know I say call this person. She has some things to talk about. So just give me a shout out. That's all I ask for. I'll see what I can do. We we do what we can down here. So look. Yeah. Let's get, let's just do it like this. You talked about the culture. We have about a few minutes left here. In fact, we're gonna go a little beyond our little time here, and we definitely have to do a part two. So let's give a we have to do our next uh, musical break here. So let's um, how about we give a little shout out to all the people from our generation? Is that cool? Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, shout out to my brothers, right, sisters, so. cousins, Muela family, right. Switzerland, right. 
Europe, South Africa, uh, North Carolina, and so on and so forth. <laughs> All right. Do you want to? Do you want me ask this question? Do you want it in Lingala or do you want it mixed up? How you want this next next song? Uh, yeah, Lingala would be great. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's see what we can dig up here for our generation here. See what we can do. You know, I have been down this way. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is the uh, young day. I just gave the introduction. Let's let it ride.
Yeah, good pick. We do it. We do it. We can down there. We do it. We can. Yeah. Look. Let it time fly <laughs> when you're when you're in good company. Oh my God. Uh, you're the good company, my friend. We gotta do a part two. We have to do a part two. We have to do a part two. I I have to talk to to you more about my my next film projects, all my uh my poetry and stuff. I guess if if people want to find that more about me, they can go on my website, which is SabrinaMoela.com, and I have many blogs and links and and stuff out there. Um. Yeah, I have like my my poetry part one was called Walk in My Shoes, some poetry about myself growing up, my family and stuff. And part two is coming up soon in mm-hmm. September. I have a new poetry project called um, 33, because I'm going to turn 33 soon. So I, I have some, some poems about that and, and people can find out about my short feelings, snappy heads, and I love you, and missing, and some a lot of other stuff coming up. So, yeah, we have to do part two. Oh, we definitely will. There's no question. I have to do it for like 90 minutes. So, <laughs> this, this Sabrina, can you give that website again? Can you give your website again, please? Yes, yeah, sure. It's uh, sabrinamoela.com, so S-A-B-R-I-N-A, M as in mother, O-E-L-L-A. Dot com and over there you can find out more about my writings and you can watch some of my short films and find out more about uh, what I'm up to. I have a new short film coming up that's called Doing Just Fine. Um, another mm-hmm. one that I'm working on is called uh, That Day We Broke Up. And I'm working on a musical as well. Like I'm, I love music, I love dancing, and, and that's my, my, my big project for next year. So if, if we do part two, I'll talk more about my... my uh, my other project. I got carried away with my poems, yeah. and you brought me back to Bakwanga, aka Mbujimai, and, and stuff, and, and yeah. So that, that's how yeah, we that's do it. And how we get down. Yeah, that's how we get down. And if, like, if you come to my to my uh, home where my when my parents and mother are there, like sometimes we have guests, they, they come in the morning, and they don't leave until the next day because we have too many stories to tell. And you're having a good time, and mm-hmm. they... They give you the foo-foo and the, the beers and stuff, and uh, it's just there, stories after stories and having fun. As long as there's pondu there, I'll be happy. And some beignet, I'll there's, be all right. There's a pondu. There's a pondu. So, <laughs> yeah, come to my place. There's a pondu. There's everything. And we, yeah, that, that's what we do. We share stories, and, and we survive, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really well, for part <laughs> We're going to do new, so I want to say thank you for coming on. you got a lot going on up there. I really appreciate yeah. it. You've touched a lot of people. You've moved a lot of people. You've educated a lot of people, and that's just a sign of how you were raised. That's a, good, that's a sign of your family. So much love to your family. So before you go, if you can give us one last uh, introduction. We have to go off the air here, so we'll play a little music. So if you can give a shout-out to all the Congolese and diaspora, we're going to mix it up here. Give a little love to all of them. Yeah, shout out to all my fellow Congolese people all over the world because we're big travelers. So big up to Congolese in the city, Toronto, in Paris, in Kinshasa, of course. Uh, like you know, say biso na biso, Congolese people. That's for you. <laughs> well, here we go, Sabrina. Talk to you later. We are gone. Okay. Bye. Let's ride.
people. Nalisanga nabukasi nabuyukani Rabba, 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 rabba
Congo Nadisa, people, Sagi Kessi Dabinga, live and direct from Los Angeles. We are riding with Sabrina Moella, live and direct from T-Dot. That's Toronto for y'all. If you don't know, now you know. Hope you enjoyed the ride. We're going to do a part two. We're going to get down. We always get down. Hope you had fun. I see all your texts, all your messages here. But you know, I wanted to get the poem in. I wanted to get her words in. And I can see already she touched a lot of you guys out there. And people, you can always tell when someone has passion for what they're doing because you can hear the passion in their work. You can see the passion in their work. We're definitely going to do a part two. Y'all have a great day today, wherever you are. Have a great night, wherever you are. Do what you do. Live your dreams. Make them real. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, so make it happen today. Side to Cassie Dabinga, live and direct from Los Angeles. I'm gone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.